Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Thursday, May the 4th, 2023, at 1033 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus is about help. Today's focus is about help. Now, I really want you to think about this. I mean, obviously, it's today's focus. And whenever I do a today's focus broadcast, we know what the goal is. I try to hand you one thing to focus on. One thing so that you can meditate on it. Have hopefully in-depth spiritual conversations with friends, family, strangers. I don't care whom. I want you to just really take these topics and think about it and struggle with it. And and I don't always provide simple answers. That's that's probably, I think, something some people don't like about my preaching and my teaching style. I have a tendency to see maybe the problems or the difficulties or the, well, this doesn't make sense. And just, I see the questions, the things that I, I, in my mind, any Christian reading the Bible, any Christian even considering theology would struggle with. And I try to present those in a real way going, look, I struggle with this as well. But a lot of Christians don't like that. They, they, they get very defensive, right? If you bring up some questions or some struggles, Christians get defensive and they want simple answers and they want to say, this is the way it is. Don't make me question anything. But I, I've never been that way. I'm not afraid of the questions. I'm not afraid of the struggles. I'm not afraid to admit that there's lots of things about Christianity that just doesn't make any sense to me. It is confounding, confusing. And and I think that's okay. I, some Christians don't like that. They're like, no, everything makes sense. It's perfect. It's simple. It's easy. And it's like, no, not if you really start thinking about it. And when it comes to the subject of help, well, I have some struggles. I have some, I don't know, doubts maybe. Let me try to explain. And, and so I'm going to start, I'll start with this question. Uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll explain. Part of me wants to just kind of jump into trying to explain why I'm thinking this way. But I, I guess I really want to start with handing you a question. And I really want you to think about it. Now, I know your first, your natural inclination, if you are a Christian, what you're, you're, it's just going to be naturally what you're going to want to say is, well, absolutely, you're going to want to uh, answer in a resounding affirmative answer. Yes, absolutely. How dare you even question that? But I, I struggle. So, so let, let me ask you. You ready? When it comes to people's lives, Right When it comes to their just everyday life, whether they're a teenager, whether they're single, whether they're married, whether they're a widow, whether they're young, whether they're middle-aged, whether they're old, whether when it comes to their job, life, just in general, do you think Christianity in general makes a person's life better? Do you think Christianity in general helps people, it helps them have a, a better life, a better marriage, a better relationship, better friendships, better anything, brings more peace, more joy, more happiness. Now, now this is the key word. Do, do you think it actually is helpful or do you think it's hurtful or do you think it's kind of neutral? 
Now, the reason I say this is, you know, a lot of people contact me. I get lots of, you know, people email me, contact me. And a lot of times they share and they're Christians. I mean, there's no, I mean, I know, I know the go-to answer for many Christians, you know, the way to always kind of to get Christianity off the hook or to get God off the hook is like, well, they're probably not even saved. They're not, if they were really saved and, and I, oh, I can't stand that. That's, that's the way we get out of everything. Just immediately someone does something or something is not working the way we think Christianity is supposed to work. We just throw them out of the body of Christ and say they're not saved. And then we can say all the people whose lives are perfect and great, they're saved because we got to maintain the image. We got to maintain the info commercial, right? So, but the, the reality is I have a lot of people who, who email me who are Christians, right? And when they begin to describe things about their life, maybe loneliness, anxiety, worry, that's just things in their, their lives or relationships, their marriage, whatever the case may be, you hear in stories about things that just, you're like, what? Well, could Christianity fix that? Could Christianity really overcome that? Can Christianity make it better? Can it? And if it doesn't, is the issue Christianity? And I'm just using that term in general just to describe the teachings of Christ and, 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 and doctrine and theology. Or, or does it actually make it worse? Do, do, in other words, does, does Christianity, let me state it this way, does Christianity... If, if this makes sense. Does Christianity replace the old problems with new problems? Does Christianity replace the old issues with new issues? I, I think that's a very important question for us to consider. I think it's something that we need to, to really, really, really think about. And I want you to just kind of, today, I want you to consider, like, I, think of it this way. This is something I would, I would challenge you to do. Take a piece of paper today. Uh, divide the paper in half. You can just, you know, draw a line from the top to the bottom, right down the middle, right? And have two sides. On one side, write all the ways that you think Christianity helps and makes life better and all the ways that you think Christianity doesn't help or may actually make things more difficult or complicates things or, or leads to more issues, now, it's okay to be honest. It's okay to be honest. I know that you're like, well, I can't do this. But no, yes, you can. Look, look, you're not in church. You're not in church. See, when you go into church, you got to put on the mask. You got to smile and say, everything is good. God is good. And he's good all the time. You got you to do all of that stuff. You don't have to do that here. See, here we can be very real, right? No mask. And you can just say, well, you know, these, these are the, like, you know, just, just be very, very real and very honest with this. Now, here is what happened. All right? Here we go. I love to always take you through the process. Yesterday evening. Yesterday evening, I was just kind of sitting here trying to figure out, thinking about different things. You know, do I want to do a live broadcast? Just a lot of different things I was thinking about. And I saw this. I saw from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's book, Morning and Evening, his devotional, that the evening devotional was this. this is, these are the first words. It says evening, and then right under the words evening, again, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, his famous, famous, famous devotional, Morning and Evening, I read these words. A very present help. A very present help. 
the text, Psalm 46, 1. Psalm 46, 1, where we read these words. God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge. He is our strength, a very present help in trouble. And I, I know, I know I'm not supposed to say this. I stopped and I said out loud, how is God a very present help? How is God a very present help in trouble? Like, how, how is God my refuge? How is he my strength? How is he a very present help in trouble? When trouble happens in life, when things are not going well, when things are falling apart, is he there? How does he help? How does he manifest that help? How does it show up? Because obviously I know Christians who are, are there, things are not right. Things are not good. Things are not right, whether in a relationship, not right, emotionally, not right. I mean, just a million different ways. Christians are in, find themselves in horrific situations, horrible situations. And you want to say, well, where, where was the refuge? Where was the strength? Where was the help? Now I know, again, I know I'm not supposed to ask that question, but, uh, but I think it's, someone just said it's a legitimate question. I think it's a, I think it's a legitimate question. See, there was, I'll, I'll try to give you, uh, I'll, tr- I'll just try to, uh, you know, again, today is focus. I, I, I don't feel, uh, I, I like this to be as real and as organic as possible. I don't care about following some script and all being professional and, and all produced. So, so let me just try to tell you a little story. All right. So here's my mind as a young Christian. Right? Here's my mind as a young Christian. I get saved. And in my mind, Christianity is the solution to everything. See, if you have Christ, you have help. He's, you've, got, you've got the all-powerful God dwelling inside of you. So you're going to be able to basically stop sinning. That's the way I understood. I was never going to struggle with sin anymore. Life was going to make sense. God would be there in any situation I found myself. God would remove me from the situation. He would fix the situation because God is now on my side, right? You know, he is for me. Who can be against me? You know, God is my help. He's my shepherd. You know, he's, he's, he's my defender. He's my rock. Like, and all of these things. And I was like, okay. So I, I immediately took out thinking, okay, God's going to fix all of these problems. Well, most of you know the story of my life. I had not been saved super long. And the next thing you know, boom, I'm taken out of my, I, I, I'm, I'm living with a different family because of how bad things are in my family. All right. So I'm living in a different family. My mom calls me on a Wednesday saying, hey, could you come back home on Sunday? I'm thinking maybe we're going to be able to reconcile. Maybe this is God going to fix all the problems. Maybe this, see, God is my helper. He's going to fix it. I'm going to reconcile with my mom. And for the very first time in my life, things are going to be well because God is more powerful than my situation. And then we all know Friday I'm at school. I get called to the principal's office, told to go to the hospital. And hey, by Monday, my mother is dead. Okay, gone. Well, where's my help? Well, where's my help? Where's my help? 
Oh, I, and when I walk into the waiting area, nobody in my family will speak to me. Yeah, that's that, that's wonderful. Okay, so that's a total, utter, complete disaster. Everything's falling apart in my life. We know how bad things get. Things go just, just it's a downward spiral. I try to kill myself eight weeks in a psychiatric hospital. It's a total mess. Now, there was a part of me said, so, okay, well, God was present with me in the psychiatric hospital. And I tried to convince myself, you know, so God was helping me somehow, right? I was like, okay, God is helping me somehow. Well, then uh, the quote unquote relationship I'm in there, it blows up, it falls apart. Okay, I end up back at home. And then I'm, I'm one night I'm standing there, at, I'm in the kitchen. I'll never forget it. There's my brother, there's my sister, and there's my father. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? See, God's going to bring the family together here. So now we're going to have a, we're going to have a good relationship with my father for the first time. Okay. So God, so through that pain, through that tragedy, God's good. He's going to make it all better. And I was all excited. I'll never forget that. I could, if I could take you to the house, I could tell you exactly where I was standing. I, I would be able to go to the very spot on the floor. It's how much it's burned into my brain. My brother was on one side of me. My sister was on the other. My father was right there. I think we were getting ready to eat pizza. And I was like, this is, this is it. We're going to, we're going to at least be. And then it's literally, it felt like 24 hours later. I know it wasn't 24 hours later, but within weeks, within weeks, my dad brings in this other woman. She's got what, four kids, five kids. And that's the, I mean, that's it. I mean, they, that there's no more relationship with my father. It's over. And I, it's just, and then everything just falls apart. And then I, and then, I mean, that's it. I mean, that, that no relationship with my father. So, so he didn't, so God didn't fix that. Didn't help. In fact, that situation got so bad. I mean, that thing just turned into a, a total mess. I mean, it was just a downward spiral into anything. My, my sister becomes a complete full blown drug addict and almost destroys her life. My brother goes through all kinds of his problems. I, I finally, join the military and get out of the entire situation. The whole thing turns into a mess. And, and, and then my father dies of cancer. So there was no, never any real true reconciliation, never a, nothing. Where, where, where did God help that situation? But in spite of all of those experiences, I still had this weird vision of Christianity. Let me give you an example. In the 1990s, 1990s. Okay. I'm no longer, uh, I'm in the military and I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm getting, you know, I start all of my education, first Bible Institute, Bible colleges, uh, seminaries. I'm getting, I'm just education after education. I'm learning. I'm still in the military thinking, you know, one day I'm going to be in the ministry, but I still had this mentality that if we could take Christianity, the truths of Christianity, and we could bring them to anybody. We could help any situation. We can make everything better. It would fix anything. So I always envisioned, that, and, ju- and this is just because maybe of the music I was listening to, things I was reading, maybe the news, but I always thought of certain places in the country, inner, in the inner city, where there were gangs, violence, drugs, prostitution, like the, the places that were supposedly so scary I thought, I wonder if I, if, if someone could take the gospel there, would it just fix it all? Like the drugs would go away, the prostitution would go away, crime would go away, there would be love and peace. Like that somehow Christianity could just fix it all. There's a part of me that truly, truly longed to, to hold to that and believe that. And then I was like, well, it, 
you know, is that the way it's supposed to work? Well, while I'm trying, while I still think that way, I look into my own life and the lives of Christians all around me and just see marriages falling apart and unhappiness and, and depression and discouragement, churches splitting, fighting, bitterness, unforgiveness. It's just, uh, I, and I just, you start seeing all of the ugly side of Christianity and you're like, I don't know if we could go fix anything. We can't even fix ourselves. I don't know if Christianity can be a help to those lost people you know, in a drug infested part of the city when the churches are fighting and arguing and splitting and backstabbing and gossip and slander. And it's like, we may not, we may not have their problems, but I don't know if we're any better. And then I started reading, you know, obviously that, you know, I, I continue to read the Bible and then I would realize, man, even the people of God were a total train wreck and a mess. So then I was like, well, where is God as our help and refuge? Does Christianity really help? And that, I'm not going to say skepticism. Please, I don't want you to hear that. I'm just going to say this. The struggle has only grown in intensity throughout my Christian life because I've heard from more and more people, heard more and more stories like this falls apart and this falls apart and this falls apart. And I understand on one hand, we say, no, God was trying to help, but they didn't want the help. God, you know, Christianity can help. But, and I always hear this, but you've got to do your part. I'm like, well, if I got to do my part, well, maybe that's the problem because can we ever do our part considering we're still sinners? And I, I could just go through all kind. I mean, I could, I mean, I mean, lots of illustrations I could use, but I don't want to use illustrations that, you know, would, would, you know, talk directly about certain people's lives. But so let's go back to Psalm 46, one. And so I struggle with this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Exactly how does this work? Now, if we read the entire Psalm or not the entire Psalm, at least the first section of the Psalm, right? Verses one through seven, let's just read it all. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. There is a river, the streams whereof shall be shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall be... Uh, she shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttereth his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now, I remember sitting. I don't know where I was at. I was at Cisco Junior College in Cisco, Texas. I don't even remember uh I don't know where I was at on campus, but I was sitting somewhere with a Bible and a notebook. Probably should have been doing schoolwork, but I was doing, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I was, I was always more interested in doctrine and theology. That was always my, my, my desire because I wanted to understand it. And I remember just sitting there going, how does, how, because my life was a total train wreck at the time. It was a mess. There was, you know, just, there was so much going on. And I just want like, God, you, if you're my help, you're my refuge. Like I really had this like, okay, God's going to make it all better. And it, it, well, things got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I felt like I was in quicksand and nobody was helping me out. Now, in some ways I love 
I love, love, love that at that point in my Christian life, there was almost, I was, I dare, I hate to say it. There was almost, I was naive, right? There was almost just like this, like complete, like, I, I knew, I didn't understand, but I just knew God was going to just intervene. He's my rock. He's my refuge. He's my protector. It's all going to work out. But none of those situations worked out. None of those situations worked out. Even going to school there didn't work. My truck blew up. I could, that's like 80, it was like a 70 mile drive from my house to Cisco Junior College in Cisco, Texas, um, that I was taking what, two, three times a day. Um, and so that, that ended my, that, 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 that once again messed up college for me. Like there was just so, like everything went so wrong. Not one thing went right. Now I could look back and go, ultimately it was for the good, I guess. I guess I could say that. I, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, hey, it was good that my mom died. It was good that my father died. It was all, it was all, I know it's hard to, you know, those are human beings who died. So I don't, I, you know, I, that's not easy to say. So how do we understand God is our help? God is our refuge. God is our strength. So here's a couple of thoughts. Here's a couple of thoughts. Number one. When the psalmist says God is our refuge, a very uh, present help in trouble, therefore will not we fear. He's speaking, uh, a, lot of the, the, a lot of this is in the plural. He's speaking of us, uh, we. Uh, the Lord of hosts is with us, verse 7. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He's, he's definitely speaking in the plural. Now, is this specifically... Is this psalm specifically referring to God being the very present help for Israel? Do we understand that some of these promises, these poetical descriptions of God's help and shelter and refuge and strength was specifically for Israel? Because the one thing we do know, if you open up your Bible and you start reading God was very present and helping Israel over and over and over and over in very direct way, supernatural ways, right? I mean, all the plagues to get them out of, out to deliver them from Egypt, the sustaining them in the wilderness, helping them direct, uh, sending them prophets, direct revelation. I mean, uh, overcoming their enemies in, in supernatural ways over and over and over. God was, he was directly involved with them, speaking to them, guiding them, directing them, providing, protecting over and over and over and over and over again. Do we see Psalm 46? I know our natural inclination is to take it and say, this is true of us. But I wonder if first and foremost, it was true for them in a very real literal way. I mean, I mean, look, come on. If you, if you, if you, if you're even remotely in touch with reality, you know, God is not doing those exact same things for you as he did for Israel. I mean, he was directly involved in literal ways, literally feeding them, literally guiding them. I mean, the Shekinah glory. Right there in the midst of them, everything was very literal, very, very physical, very material. Like you could see it, feel it, touch it. You could experience it. It wasn't something that was, you know, not by, you know, not by sight, but by faith. It was, it was very much by sight. It was very tangible.
Now, if what God did for them literally and physical, if that's not applicable to us, then do we take Psalm 46, Psalm 46, 1, and do we take this and say, that's, this was all true of Israel in a very literal way, but this is true for us in a very spiritual way. God is my refuge, spiritually speaking. God is my refuge from my sin, from the wrath of God. God is my strength, spiritually speaking, because he will maintain my salvation for me based on his works and his righteousness. God is a very present help in trouble. He's very present help when I sin. When I fall into sin, I can come to him and find forgiveness. That no matter what happens in this world, the whole world may collapse, it may all burn down, but I have Christ and I have salvation. Do, do, I, do I spiritualize this in a very real way? And, 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 and because God is a help and a spiritual way for our salvation, does that mean then Christianity, maybe in a practical way, doesn't offer as much help that we think it can? Because Christianity constantly sells itself. Get Jesus, get Christianity, and every, you're going to be a better husband, a better wife. You're going to have a better family. Your kids are going to be perfect. You're going to, you know, you're going to live in a nice little house with a white picket fence, two dogs, a cat, two kids, and both, and everyone's going to be smiling, singing kumbaya. There's going to be a big rainbow over the house. There's going to be a unicorn hopping through the front yard. Skittles will be falling over to the side, and life is going to be just abundant, wonderful, and happy, and joyful, and that's the way we sell it. And then you kind of pull back, you know, cut in scene, right? And then once they move all, remove all the props and then they remove everything, you see that, well, it's not quite like that. This is what Spurgeon said in his devotional. This is how Spurgeon handled it. Let's see what you think. A very present help. Psalm 46.1. This is from Morning and Evening by Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, for yesterday evening. Covenant blessings are not meant to be looked at only, but to be appropriated. Now, when he says covenant blessings, my first thought was, now I know he's probably, he's, he's much more referring to us, but I wonder then in Psalm 46, didn't God make very direct covenant blessings specifically for Israel? I, 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 I don't know. It's just something to consider. He says, even our Lord Jesus, Jesus is given to us for our present use. Believer, thou dost not make use of Christ as thou oughtest to do. So now this is where Spurgeon's like, okay, this seems to be where Spurgeon seems to be going here. Now we're going to read all of it. Hey, Christ is there for you to, as he says, to make use of. Here's Christ, meaning he's your strength, he's your refuge, he is your help, but you've got to make use of him. So now the, the, the burden becomes on you, right? Hey, there's your help, but you've got to go make use of it. So if you don't have that help, it's because you're not making use of it. Is there some level of, of truth to this? Spurgeon goes on to say, when thou art in trouble, why dost thou not tell him all thy grief? 
Now, does this imply when you're in trouble, whatever trouble it may be, emotional, physical, mental, relationship, whatever trouble you may find yourself, is the issue is we don't tell him? What if we do tell him? Does that mean instantaneously, boom, the help comes and the problems are removed? He goes on to say, has he not a sympathizing heart? And can he not be, and can he not comfort and relieve thee? Hey, you should tell him, hey, he sympathizes with you. He will comfort you. He will relieve you. Now thou art going about to all thy friends, save thy best friend and telling thy tale everywhere except into the bosom of the Lord. Is the problem is we run around telling everyone else our problems? Is the problem we run around telling everyone else our issues and our concerns and our fears and our stress and we look for them for help when we should be like, I don't need to tell anybody else. I'll just tell God and then God will intervene. He will be my strength. He will be my help and he will make it better. Is the problem we do don't, is the issue is we don't truly bring it to God. Is that the issue? He goes on to say, now, now listen to what he says here, all right? All right. Art thou burdened with this day's sins? Now he turns it to a very spiritual thing. Are you burdened with today's sins? Here is a fountain filled with blood. Use it. Saint Use it. Has a sense of guilt returned upon thee? The pardoning of grace of Jesus may be proved again and again. Come to him at once for cleansing. Dost thou deplore thy weakness? He is thy strength. Why not lean upon him? Dost thou feel naked? Come hither, soul. Put on the robe of Jesus' righteousness. Stand not looking at it, but wear it. Strip off thine own righteousness and thine own fears too. Put on the fair white linen, for it was meant to, to be worn. Dost thou feel thyself sick? Pull the night bell of prayer and call upon the beloved physician. He will give help that will revive thee. Thou art poor, but thou hast a kinsman, a mighty man of wealth. What, will thou not go to him and ask him to give thee of his abundance when he has given thee this promise that thou shall be joined with heir with him, thou shall be a joint heir with him and has made over all that he is and all that he has to be thine. There is nothing Christ dislikes more than for his people to make a show thing of him and not use him. He loves to be employed by us. The more, the more burdens we put on his shoulder, the more precious he will be to us. Let us be simple with him then, not backward, stiff, or cold, as though our Bethlehem could be what Sinai was of old. Now, in some ways, he goes very spiritual there about God providing help for our sins. God, but then he kind of then goes beyond that and basically, hey, if you're, whatever you need, come to him and he'll fix it. But the reality is we know that's not the way it works. God doesn't always remove the sickness. God doesn't always remove when you're poor or lack something. That does, there, there are people, there are Christians in certain parts of the world who literally starve to death.
I will say this. I, I will say this. The reality is, and I, and I and I think we can all be, I think we can all agree with this. At least this is just one point. I'm not going to n- number them because I don't know if I have a specific number in mind, but I'm just, my, my, I'm just thinking out loud here. I do believe that if we pursue what God says to do, I do believe if we pursue his word. Now, now, um, now, just please remember this. Obviously, we're never going to do this perfectly because we have a sin nature, right? So th- there's, w- there's a built-in problem already with this. But the reality is, the more we pursue God's word, the more we try to listen to it, follow it, consider it, obey it, obviously, the... The, it, it will provide help. It will lead us away from trouble. It will be beneficial. Right? Now, now, not all trouble. Now, now just remember, okay, I, I, I got to modify this. It will lead us away from certain trouble, but not all trouble. Because again, most, a lot of the trouble arises from the sin nature within us. So it's going to fight even us trying to follow God's word. But then there's a lots of trouble that comes upon us and we have no control over it. Like we're, we, 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 there's nothing we can do about it, right? It's things happen to us. But obviously, we pursuing what God says tends to, to make things better, at least in one way. Not in every way. Not in every way. So I think there is a failure in us to pursue sometimes the direction God would tell us to go. So I, I think I think that we have to at least look to ourselves. Number two, I think sometimes, sometimes we sell Christianity almost like an info commercial that coming to Jesus and everything is just going to be fixed. Everything is just going to be better. And 2,000 years of church history shows that's not always the case. Now, you could argue sometimes it's not better because we don't pursue God. We're not following his word. So then sometimes the problem is our fault. Okay, I can acknowledge that. But I think sometimes that we, we, we sell Christianity as solving problems it wasn't designed to solve. It, that we sell Christianity as fixing things it wasn't designed to fix. Was Christianity designed to, to make everything better in a very material, physical, and, and I say worldly, not in a sinful way, but just in a, in a very like this world kind of way, when I, I don't know if Christianity was there to fix all of that? Like, I, I know, like, God is my refuge. I think he's a refuge from the wrath of God. I think he's my refuge from sin. He's, ref, he's refuge from judgment. Now, see, that 
we can sell that because that is true. That like that makes sense. But sometimes we say God is a refuge from all the problems in life. But I don't know if he he's not. I mean, I, I guess you can run to him, but it's no guarantee you're going to get away from any of the problems. Doesn't even not even a guarantee the problems are going to get better. In fact, the problems can end in total death and destruction. But I know I can run to Christ as my refuge from the wrath of God, from condemnation, from the, from, from the punishment of sin. And in him, he is my absolute perfect refuge. See, I can sell that. That's true. Do you think we sell it in a way that's not true? He is my strength. Well, he is my strength because he's, he, he's the one who carries me. Look, my, I stand before God, perfect, righteous, holy, and obedience because of, in a sense, the strength of Christ in me, in my practical life. I am weak. I am sinful. I have feet of clay. I, I fall to, to, to passions and lust and desires and depression and discouragement. But in Christ, I am strong because he is perfect. He is holy. He is righteous. So he is my strength that way. A very present help of trouble. As I walk this life, I still struggle and I still sin and I still fall. But I can run to him and there is forgiveness. If anyone will confess their sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us their sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, if I look at it from a very spiritual way at all, it all fits together so perfectly. But when we take this and try to make it somehow fit our practical everyday life on this earth, I struggle with how that works out. I, I do believe, obviously, first and foremost, all of those things were true of Israel in a very literal way. I think that we read, just read your Old Testament. You have to say, come on. He was their refuge. He was their strength. He was a very present help in times of trouble. I mean, over and over, every time Israel cried out, just look at the judges. Every time they would cry out to God, he would rise up a judge to do what? To be their help over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, even, even when you think about it, even when Jesus, you look at the, all of the, you know, narratives surrounding the incarnation and the birth of Jesus, his, his, his infancy narratives, his, his, his birth narratives. It, he came to save his people from their sins. I think first and foremost, it, it, once again, it's showing up to save Israel. And then if we believe all Israel will be saved, that he constantly, there was a help for them. I'm not, obviously I believe we've been grafted in. Yes. But I'm just saying that I just think over and over and over, all of those things are true of Israel in a way that's not been true of any other nation. Now, you could say in some of those same things, it's true of the church, but I think it's true of the church in much more of a spiritual way and not much more of a, not so much a literal practical way. What is the expectations in your life? I mean, just, just, if, if you, if you can get away from the church mentality, I, I would just, I mean, look, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what happens with people in the pew. I've always said that there's a disconnect sometimes between the people in the pew and the person in the pulpit. But I just imagine the people in the pew, they have, I don't know how they process Christianity and what they think Christianity was going to be. I think a lot of people who are Christians, what they thought it would be and what it turned out to be, there's a massive difference in maybe what they felt it was going and what it turned out to be. 
right? And I think some some Christians struggle with that. In church, we all pretend that it's exactly what we thought it was. We 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 still. It's like we're still in on. It's like we show up to church and we're like, okay, guys, our guys, it's almost time for the commercial. You ready? All right, action! And then everyone's like, praise God, it's all wonderful. But a brother, I love you. It's, it's great. And but but if when the commercial is over and you can just talk to Christians about their lives and their struggles, doesn't. It's so different. It's such a, a life of, of, man, they talk about just, you just listen to their stories and you're just like, man, I wonder, how did, how, where is God's help in that? Can God fix that? Can, can I just give them five Bible verses and it's like, dun, 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 it's fixed. It's over. Struggle gone. Marriage fixed, whatever the issue is. Kids are better. How do we understand this today? God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. Today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just live in Psalm 46. I want you to live it. I want you to breathe it. I want you to drink it. I want you to just read it over and 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 over. I want you to really just bring those words deep inside of you today. I want you to really, but I want you to bring those words into you, being as honest as you can. And I'd love to get your thoughts on Psalm 46 today. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I still haven't got it. You, you can hear me. I'm still, this is still me processing it. This is still me trying to think it through. Like, remember, I love, I love to turn on the microphone and just be very real with you, right? I didn't, I don't want to come with three point, like, here's Psalm 46 one. All right. Here's, here's, you know, three, three little points. And, you know, just, I can do it in a little devotional way, but I'm tired of that. I like to pick it up and be very real with it and struggle with it. So struggle with me today. Struggle with me today. Um, I would challenge you, if you would like, look up uh, The Treasury of David by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Um, I've, been, I've been promoting that uh, a little bit. Uh, get a copy of The, of the uh, Treasury of David by Charles Haddon Spurgeon and see what all the things that are written in it about Psalm 46. Look up other commentaries. And if you find any good quotes or thoughts about it, I would love to get, send them to me. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I know we have the Bible study exercise where we're working in Deuteronomy and Matthew 4. I know that. Um, and I know now I was supposed to work on that last night. Everything's kind of messed up. But for today's focus, just, hey, Psalm 46. Come on, live, live in it a little bit, right? Drink it in. Feed upon it. Love to get your thoughts. That is your today's focus for Thursday, May the 4th, twenty. 23.